What's up my fellow scruffy looking nerf herders and welcome to the Carbonite Chat. Today we're going to be talking about the big hyperspace jump. And this is chapter 28 I believe. And we're going to, this is where it kind of details that. And it kind of lays out exactly what Holdo did on the ship and exactly what happened. I guess you could say scientifically with the ship. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation that's going to happen in the comments after this. Um, so actually, I'm, I'm actually in a fairly good mood for this video as a bit of a change of pace for the last few chapters because I'm, I'm very much interested to see what happens in the comments below as well as the way the chapter ends off is just kind of humorous to me. Uh, a few little things that I'll kind of cover just to kind of piece in. First is the point where it was in the movie, so it's not just to the novels, but I, I just I, I can't get over this where Phasma says, you know, they're about to shoot them and it's going to be over, but you got to have the bad guy do something and, you know, prolong it so that they can be kind of rescued or whatever. And she says she wants to bring out the executioners to cut their heads off as if because it's worse. Now, again, I haven't had my head cut off, um, but I, I, I would imagine it would probably be about the same as being, you know, shot. You know, maybe if you want to torture them or something, but it just, I, I mean, I guess that, you know, chickens still run around with their head cut off, so maybe you still feel pain. I mean, I don't know. We're all kind of just guessing here, I would imagine. I may be wrong, but it just seems dumb. Anyways, it goes on. Hux then heads up back up with his ship. And again, this is a moment we saw, but it adds a little kind of extra to it and what do they add into the movie or to the novel is that you know Hux is an idiot yet again so he shows up and his captain's there and the captain tells him that the Radis is beginning to move around what should we do and he says forget them you know it's not you know they're just a distraction focus on destroying the transports and the captains are you know there's two officers there and they're both just kind of like wow you know, it, can't believe that, as the book says, the hot-headed young boy, basically, that, you know, that he actually made a decision, his first wise decision he's ever made. And it's like, God, this is, this is how you develop incredible villains. Like, when you just, you bash them and you talk about how stupid they are and they, they never do anything right and they're not actually any good, they always make mistakes and stuff like that, that's, that's how you really develop them. I mean, it's brilliant, brilliant storytelling. The other moment is Kylo and Rey fighting over the lightsaber. Now, nothing of interest really here, but in case you were wondering, it is the fact that it's actually the kyber crystal inside of the lightsaber that shears it apart. That them kind of conflicting between them, the struggle and pull that it's doing on the Force, causes it to react. I guess much like if you read the Darth Vader comics, um, it talks about how they kind of bleed a crystal, how the Sith do. But in doing that, it kind of ends up kind of fighting back a little bit. And so this is what happened here. The, and the interesting point is how the Force basically took over and kind of like simmed, you know, Rey to make her do everything. Like she didn't actually really do anything in the prior chapter in fighting. The Force took over. Like it chose her. And it took over and did everything. But now it's like, well, you know, here, you got this. You can handle it yourself. <laughs> you know, I picked you here, but I'm not going to pick you here. You know, so for all of you worried that, you know, the Force is just going to pick sides. And once it picks sides, it's over with. Now, they'll pick and choose whenever they feel like it. So, you know, don't you don't have to worry 
about that kind of stuff. And then to fit with the prior chapters about how Ray downloaded Kylo's abilities, they're of equal strength now. So they neither one of them could really get it apart. So that's what happens. It's shared apart. Now to the part that you're here for the video to, here on the video for, I, I don't know, <laughs> but is what happened with the Radish jumping to hyperspace, destroying the supremacy, and a lot of other Star Destroyers. Now I'm going to kind of go through as as close to as exactly from the book as possible, trimming it up a little bit to speed it up, but none of the things that matter. And uh, I look forward to hearing the thoughts down below. But first thing she does is she sets, as I mentioned before with Hux and them, they think that she's just got a distraction. They notice that she's that they're starting to get ready to jump to hyperspace, but they think she's just going to jump off that way. So they say, you know, it's a little late to try to do that. But whatever, ignore them, focus on the transports. So she is trying to hide it. She's kind of taking her time because she feels that if she begins to try to do it too soon, then they're going to realize it and then kind of shoot her before she's able to jump. So she goes through and she sets an override to the failsafe for, you know, proximity alerts. So jumping into hyperspace, it wouldn't allow you to do it because of the proximity of something, another object as large as a supremacy right in front of you. But she went and spent the time to make sure that those were overridden. And then she goes and jumps to hyperspace. Once she jumps to hyperspace, she actually hits the wing of the supremacy. It says that she hits the wing of the supremacy at three times the magnitude greater than the inertial dampener is able to generate. This immediately destroys the inertial dampener, but they had an augmented uh, augmented experimental shield that was on the radis that ends up kind of you know sustaining it to continue on without being completely destroyed for a few moments longer. Once this then happens, the radis then kind of combusts into what's called a, they say a column of plasma, and this column of plasma plasma kind of consumes itself. And the plasma is moving, it's moving, once it hits the wing, it's moving at near the speed of light. And the plasma has now become hotter. This column of plasma moving that was the radis is hotter than the, a sun and is intensely magnetized. Now at this point, it opens up a tunnel to hyperspace that the plasma then goes into and the tunnel and plasma then immediately close in on itself. But it did last long enough to cut completely through the supremacy and then cut through some of the Star Destroyers that are following directly behind it. But because it went so fast, this is what the novel says, because it went so fast, it didn't deter, detour, de, deter, deter. It didn't deter the supremacy from continually moving forward or really change its course or do much of anything. The pieces of the supremacy that stayed together continue to move forward at basically the same speed. So I guess what they're saying is it's like getting hit with like a really small bullet in like a part of your body that isn't going to, you know, kill you like, you know, a wing shot or something like that. And so you can keep moving forward largely without being detoured is essentially what they're saying here. Now, this is not my specialty. 
I've presented the facts. I've gone through this entire novel and kind of reviewed it and commented on it myself. But I know when I'm not an expert in a situation or an expert in a field of topic, and this is not my expertise. So I presented what happens in this chapter. I now leave it to the discussion in the comments because I know quite a few of my commenters have discussed from my uh, every plot hole in the last Jedi video and some other videos that they've explained the issues behind what happens here. I don't know these things. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm terrible at science and anything that has to do with your basic schooling. <laughs> so I'm not going to sit here and try to act like I know whether this is right or wrong, whether they, you know, did, you know, everything was correct. I, I don't know. But I do know some of my commenters that I respect their opinions and I know they'll comment them. And so one of the, you know, who, whoever's one of the first ones to comment those, I will pin that up to the top and we'll let the debate begin there. There's the information that happens in the novel for those of you who did not read the novel. That's how it all went down. I cannot wait to hear this because I want to begin to learn and understand this. And so, you know, that's something I'm looking very much forward to now to the, the last little tidbits, be very short. Uh, one interesting thing is everyone's celebrating on the transports as they're heading down because they see what happens, but except for Poe and Leia. Now I get Leia. They're supposed to be friends. and But why is Poe silent here? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. This woman's just been a miserable person in his life the entire time. Even if you want to believe that he's actually learned a lesson and that he believes he's wrong now and you know he's he's you know on the trail to becoming a true white knight why you're not gonna feel sad about this situation like why why i, I don't get it. it it just but whatever now to the fun stuff <laughs> it's the lines by finn with the fight with Phasma. I was I was laughing out loud throughout the end of this chapter listening to listening to how it was said in the audible books. <laughs> it was it was incredible. So Rose and Finn get up and they're starting to leave and they're trying to get to a transport and this is when you see the kind of editing mistake in the movie where you know everyone was right around there and then it pops up and then there's a reveal of all of them marching from the other side of the room and through the smoke. Uh, because, you know, it was a cool shot <laughs> in Ryan's mind. And so they're coming through, and so they get there, and then they begin to <laughs> kind of, you know, fan out. <laughs> and and Finn goes, well, this hardly seems fair. <laughs> it's, it's so dumb. It's so stupid. It's the dumbest thing. I would say it's the dumbest line, but it, it continues on. And of course, we all have the line that was in the movie where he's like, Let's go, Chrome Dome. <laughs> and then once he's almost beat, in case you're wondering, because another issue, if you're looking at it in the movie, you know, she's got her blaster and then, or she's, she's got her blaster, then she's got her pistol, then she's got her spike. And it's like, okay, why is she just... In the novel, it does talk about that he actually kind of chops down with the, you know, executioner axe type, or and that's what cuts the blaster. And so then she gets rid of it, and that's when she, the spike, it's on her belt, and then she pulls it out, and it can actually be extended out to that length. So that's why she was able to get a hold of those things so quickly, and just the way it was edited in the movie, 
So it's not a plot hole. It's just the way it was edited in the movie. And so after she kind of beats him and he's hanging back and, you know, she's about to knock him down into the tunnel to be saved by, you know, Doe Sex Machina, then uh, she says, you are disobedient and disrespectful. <laughs> so, got him. <laughs> This is this is the uh, this is the talk coming from uh, just a pathetic loser of a rider that's never actually been in a situation where you know, he's never been in a a lot of situations where he's had just like this back talk or been in a fight with someone and then just being you know trying to trash talk back and forth in the middle of it. It's like you are disobedient and disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid it's so dumb and then phasma phasma the female says your emotions make you weak isn't this toxic femininity where's the article i read all these articles about toxic masculinity in star wars and all these you know white knights going out and saying that you oh i can't believe this the jedi order is so awful they told anakin that he needed to hide his emotions. And, oh my, that's just terrible. We need to end it. This is awful. <laughs> but here's Phasma, the female, and she's saying it. I don't, where's the articles, people? Where, where's the articles about toxic femininity? I'm waiting on it. Uh, dork side of the force and Nerdist, you pathetic, pathetic, terrible websites <laughs> that write the most awful articles ever done i'm waiting for it let's see these toxic femininity articles I'll, I'll 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 be waiting i'll make sure to comment you'll see my video up responding about them finally writing it when it happens we'll see so then another little issue in the movie if you're wondering it is kind of answered in the novel <laughs> the reason why rose starts firing at phasma and then just stops and never fires back again during the entire fight she just she just sits there you know phasma fires at her a few times and she moves behind a crate but then she never tries to come back out and fight she's just kind of hanging out there the rest of the time until finn's knocked off and then she's like oh let me shoot but she says she's not a sharpshooter and she was worried she might hit finn so she she didn't want to do that so that's why she didn't do anything um could have just said like hey i fired a couple shots at her and you know nothing really you know just or maybe did it happen before? Maybe did she not fire off until after the fight? That might have been the case. Either way, the explanation is that she's not a sharpshooter, and so she was scared she would hit Finn. So there's that. And then the final one, the beautiful one that we all know and love, that was this scene, I believe, was directed by. This is kind of behind-the-scenes notes. A little Easter egg for you if you're wondering. This This scene was directed by Michael Bay, and that's when, you know, Finn kind of rises up. And he hits her, and then she looks up, and she's like, you're just scum. And then there's explosions happening behind him, and he goes, rebel scum. That's <laughs> oh, so incredible. Thank you for at least giving me some laughter, book, because this has just been miserable up until this point. But I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this version of terrible writing. You're not really messing up, you know, lore or Star Wars, you're just making it, you know, really stupid with the lines. But I can live with that. Uh, 
just because the rest of it's been screwed up. I would not want this in a typical movie, but this movie's already in the trash to begin with. So I might as well get some pleasure from the awful one-liners, which I did. So thank you for that. And uh, I've already talked about the comments down below, so I will just say thank you for watching. And never forget you, Nerf Herders. I love you.